Uh, tonight, I'd like to um, have a conversation with you about the greatest miracle in the universe. Now, when you say something <clears throat> is the greatest, unless you're just blurting out some feeling, you should be able to stand behind that claim and at least give a reason for saying someone or something is the greatest. Um, I remember talking to a former professional basketball player who is now a leading brother in one of the churches in Washington State. He was with what was called the ABA. If he had been in the ABA, he'd be in the Hall of Fame. And I was asking him who he thought was the greatest. And I thought he would say Michael Jordan. But he had his reasons for choosing Magic Johnson. Well, to make a claim like that, means you've got some reason for saying that and not just trying to excite people. So what I'm presenting is the greatest miracle in the universe. Of course, admittedly, this is from God's point of view and from the point of view of those who know the Bible and who know God to some extent. So if someone would die, and you would go speak to that dead body and say, I command you to rise from the dead, that would be a miracle. We would all agree. But the greatest miracle is in another category. It's beyond human thought. The human mind can conceive of someone being raised. There are accounts of this. So my, my claim and what I'll present and what I hope will stay with you like forever. Uh, even when we're in the new heaven and the new earth as parts of the New Jerusalem will still remember this. Of course, I shouldn't tell you what it is right away. Let me lead into it this way, and we'll get very close. I was saved when I was 15. If I want to be exact, I was 15 years, 11 months, and about 14 or 15 days. And it was not an exciting experience. It was not in an exciting environment. But I stood up in a very quiet meeting because we were taking turns to share something. And I spoke something concerning my belief in the Lord and in his salvation. And then I sat down and then eventually I went home 
with very little feeling, no tears, no excitement, uh, no great light. But after three or four weeks, um, and now I'm 16, I've really advanced. Now I'm 16. I have my driver's license. One day I said to myself, but I never told anyone else for many years. I don't know how many years. 20? I said to myself, there's another person living in me. I had not received any teaching about this. But the sense I had was, there is a person who is not me, who is in me, and he's living in me. Then, about a month later, I discovered that this person uh, knows my name, and inwardly, he not audibly, inwardly, there was a calling like to Samuel with my name. But again, it was not a voice you hear in the air. But there's no one I could talk to, including all the ministers. I was in the Christian religion. And those that were helping the young people as best they could, they couldn't help. No one knew anything. No one ever talked about it. No one ever told me that God in Christ wants to and intends to get inside of you and live inside of you. I never heard this. And then no one could ever help me with a related matter well, where is he? This other person who is in me, where is this person? So, maybe, I don't know what the Lord's intention was, what seed was being planted. But there I was, 16 years old, a junior in high school, a new believer in the Lord, telling myself, I didn't do this every day, it was an initial thing, there's another person living in me. At least 11 years went by before I found out where this person is in me. Where? And who this person is and how it is that he could be in me. So at least I began to understand the idea that there is a part of me reserved for this person's 
dwelling place. And there's something about this person that makes it possible for him to enter into me and, of course, you, much like the way we breathe in the air, we breathe in oxygen. It's very real, but it's hardly noticeable. But it is the most necessary thing for life. Well, what did I learn 11 years after I said to myself, there's another person living in me? I learned first that I, as a human being, have a spirit. A spirit. There may not be anyone in this meeting who has never heard before about the human spirit. Probably we have all heard about this. So the expression, the human spirit, the spirit of man, my spirit, none of this is new. We even sang a hymn on Exercising the Spirit. All ten verses. Exercise the Spirit. Exercise the Spirit. The greatest miracle in the universe. There cannot be a greater miracle than this. And it is that human spirit created by God has come in contact with the life-giving spirit of God and the two spirits have become one by mingling. The greatest miracle is the mingled spirit. Now, we'll backtrack because we need to understand some things concerning the human spirit. So that as different kinds of concepts are coming your way, you will be able to recognize what is true and what is a lie. But first, I want to define a little further this matter of two spirits being one, what we call the mingled spirit. And this may shock you about yourself. We have six brothers in the front row. I have to inform you tonight that you are not only human. You're not only human. You're very human. And some of you are developing humans. But you are not merely human. 
Well, what do you mean, Brother Ron? Well, your human spirit is human. That's part of your humanity. That's the deepest part of your humanity, is your spirit. Your human spirit. But the Lord, who is the spirit, has come into you through your open mind and your believing heart and has entered into your human spirit and mingled with it. First Corinthians 6.17 says that the one who is joined to the Lord is one spirit. This is the mingled spirit. The Lord himself, as the spirit, has joined himself to your spirit to produce one spirit. So this mingled spirit is not merely human because the Lord is there. I just wonder what would happen if only 10 persons between now and 9 o'clock, and I'll be done well before 9 o'clock, I think, if 10 persons among all that were here would realize that the Lord himself is with their spirit. That there is another person, the invisible one, who is not only with us, but who is in us, and one with us. What would happen if there was a flash of light and we saw this? It wasn't merely an idea. It was real. That the Lord is with my spirit. God lives in my spirit. Now we need to backtrack to consider the human spirit. Have you ever asked yourself, where is your spirit? Where is it? And what is it? And how did it get where it is? I don't know. Uh, what you are learning in your biology classes. I haven't studied biology, <clears throat> I don't even want to tell you when, but more than 50 years. Okay. But I had an, uh, an opportunity for several years in the place where I lived to observe all manner of living things because my dear wife was very interested in having close at hand living things. So in the house, there were 15 
fish tanks. Some of them 100 gallons big. And all kinds of species of fish were in there. The quails purchased from the Orange County Fair because my wife saw them and wanted quails. Husbands, love your wives. <laughs> Buy them birds. Then we had rabbits, those with pointed ears and those with floppy ears. And then we had more rabbits. <laughs> then we had three dogs, uh, two sheep dogs and uh, a dachshund named Waddles because of the way of walking. It's okay, you can borrow the name sometime. There's no uh, copyright on it. Then there was a parakeet in the house. And a rat came to visit us. And then there were five human beings, two adults and three little people. And I learned something basic by watching the fish, the quails, the rabbits, the dogs, the puppies of the dogs, the bird, the rat, and the kids. I realized something very basic. Of all the hundreds of fish, none of them were conscious of God. Fish don't have a spirit. And the quails, they don't have a spirit. And the rabbits, the multiplying rabbits, they didn't have a spirit. The parakeet didn't have a spirit. The dogs didn't have a spirit. But the five human beings living at 223 Magnolia, uh, uh, not Magnolia, had a spirit. It is the essence of your humanity. I don't know what you will learn about <clears throat> so-called gorilla-like ancestors, but I just know this. Human beings are the only creatures on earth with a spirit. We have a spirit. Now, what is it? And where is it? And what does it do? And what do you, or should you, or can you do with it? Well, the Bible shows us something very basic. When God was creating humankind, he made us out of the earth. So our body is not worth too much. Then he breathed into this physical shape something called the breath of life. This is Genesis 2.7. 
and the breath of life became the human spirit. I remember the night, the first time I came across a person who had just died. This person had died within minutes, if not less than that. I had received a call from someone to ask if I would go with him to the hospital. He said, my father is dying. My father's dying. So I went with him to the hospital room, and his father was alone in the room, and the hospital bed was propped up at about a 60-degree angle. Then my friend was shocked, and he said, he's not breathing. He's not breathing. When someone dies, the spirit leaves the body. That's really the meaning of death. The real definition of life is when the human spirit enters into the human frame. Your spirit is not the Spirit of God. It's not the Spirit of God. Human beings do not have, by birth, God in them. If you hear any teaching that says, we all have God in us, we need to realize that God is in us, that is a lie. We have the human spirit, which is similar to the Spirit of God. But it is not the Spirit of God. And the human spirit is not the divine life, although it is very close to the divine life. And because the human spirit is similar to the divine spirit, and close to the divine life, the divine spirit with the divine life can enter into us. It's hard to say where your spirit is. But whenever I exercise my spirit, as I'm doing now while speaking with you, I exercise the core of my body. The spirit's not here. It's not on your earlobe. It's not here. It's not here. It's here. But you can't locate it. If you get a total body scan, there will be no trace of the human spirit. But a verse in the book of Daniel speaks about the spirit within our body. And the Lord Jesus talks about the divine spirit flowing out of our inner being. So the spirit 
even though it's not physical. Because we are one person of spirit, soul, and body, it's inseparable. But it's somewhere here. When you use your spirit, you exercise from the core of your being. You you don't just talk from the top of your head like this. I think God is so nice. I'm glad he's taking care of me. There's no spirit in that. And do you realize what the functions of your spirit are, what it can do? Let me not mention the primary function first. Let me mention two other functions. And these are real. One is called fellowship. That is the ability to contact God and have mutual fellowship. That is the part of our spirit that worships God. The Lord Jesus said, the Father is seeking those who will worship in spirit. But there's another function of the spirit, and the young brothers here may not know this. Some of the sisters You may have discovered this, but I don't want to underestimate the brothers. That is your intuition. The ability to know things directly, spiritual things, to know what God's will is for you. How can you know that? The Lord would like to indicate to you when it's time for you to get married, wouldn't you like to have God's view about that? That's called intuition. And I don't want anyone to be scared, but by this intuition, we can know much concerning other people that they may not disclose, but mainly the intuition so we can know the spiritual things. The primary function of our spirit is the conscience. And the conscience gives us the sense of what is right, what we have the peace to do, what is wrong. This is our spirit. I'll mention something else now, but I can't go into detail. And I mentioned it with this kind of consideration. I don't know what kind of sense you have as young people about how false the world is. How it's very hard to find truth anywhere. 
And it's very hard to find people that are real anywhere. That the whole world is an illusion. And the internet is swarming with virtual reality. There may come a time when the people on earth will not be able to tell the difference between what's virtual and what's real. That's the background. This is the point. The genuineness of a person is the spirit. That is the genuineness of a person. If you are someone tonight that wants to find God real, if you want all the things you have been hearing and you have been taught for so long to be real, you need to realize that the reality is sensed By the Spirit. The Spirit knows what's real. The Spirit knows. Knows us. The Bible says the Spirit of man is a lamp of the Lord. Searching the inward parts. What I have described to you. Is the Spirit the human spirit, in God's creation. But that's not where we are, simply in God's creation. When you go back to school on Monday, maybe you're in the locker room, maybe you're in the cafeteria, maybe you're just in class, maybe it's in assembly, You just look at your friends and your classmates with this realization. Almost all of them are dead. They're dead. Part of them is dead. Dead. 16 years old. 17 years old. Homecoming queen. Starting quarterback of the football team. Dead. It's quite a view. Six billion plus people on the earth. The vast majority are dead in a certain part of their being. Because when man fell, man died. Well, his body didn't die. Adam Adam lived for more than 900 years. His soul didn't die. The mind was active. The emotion was active. The will is functioning. What died? What died was the spirit. But it didn't die in an absolute sense. My first experience with death, as some of you know, was with my pet hamster named Pepsi. I was about 10, and uh, 
I don't know whether hamsters have souls, but this was a very likable, active hamster. And I was in Michigan. I lived in a house with something called a basement. I don't know if you've ever been in one or you've ever seen one. And the furnace is down there, and it, it, it's heated. And that's where Pepsi's cage was. So every morning I would get up and go down and play with Pepsi. One morning I went up, down. And he was stiff and motionless, but not cold. Now what I'm going to say now is, who knows what the reaction will be, but this is what really happened. I thought I can revive him. So I brought him upstairs and I put him in the oven. I knew I didn't roast him. I just added some heat, and it worked. It worked. The heat therapy worked. He was revived. He was, of course, I rescued him right away. His fur was not singed, okay? I didn't torment him. He, he, he recovered, and I enjoyed Enjoyed him morning by morning for another month. And then I went down there, as I usually did. And there he was again, motionless, stiff, and cold. This time, the heat didn't work. So, the finality of it. The outrage of it. How dare there be something that would kill my pet hamster? So I made a coffin. Yes, put him in it. Wrote something on the coffin. No one knows what's on that little box buried by the little apple tree in that house in Detroit, Michigan. Not my wife, not my son and daughter, sons and daughter, not my grandchildren. Just the utter finality about it. Well, the human spirit is not dead like that. It's dead in the sense of being in a coma. In a coma. Deadened. Only the conscience is somewhat active in certain people. But it's quite a view you look at your friend in AP Calculus, AP American History, or someone last year got fives on their AP exams, so smart, going to Stanford, going to Berkeley, but dead, deadened. That's what happened. That's the stage of the human spirit in the fall. And every human being born is born with a deadened spirit. I saw my two sons born. Very interesting experience. Highly recommended. They made lots of noise. They made their presence known. <clears throat> their bodies were very active. Their souls became very active. But they were born deadened in spirit. 
at the time we really opened to the Lord, believed in Him, and called on Him, no matter what we felt, maybe you had a lot of feelings. Maybe you were convicted of sin. Maybe you wept in repentance. But probably your experience was rather quiet, not dramatic. Maybe you're not even sure anything happened. But the kind of help I could not receive when I was 16 I'm glad I can offer to you. Something has happened to your spirit. Here's what happened. You called on the Lord. You believed something concerning Him. You realized He died for your sins. You realized He was raised from the dead. You know he's living. You may have some feeling that you matter to him. That he loves you. That he cares for you. That your life is important to him. So you called on someone you still have not seen. Either we are the craziest people on earth or the most normal people. We believe in someone we've never seen. And I would like to say, with my whole being, I love someone whom I've never seen. I'm not ashamed to say this. I love the Lord Jesus. I believe in him, but I've never seen him. Well, when you called on his name or you prayed something, it was the Spirit the Lord as the Spirit who responded. And this Spirit came through your opened being. And the Spirit applied to your conscience the forgiveness of all your sins, past, present, and future, cleansed you from all defilement, imparted eternal life to your spirit, made your spirit alive, then the spirit joined himself to your spirit in the way of mingling to be one spirit. This is what happened. I know hardly anyone. That's an advantage. But I'm looking at a couple hundred brothers and sisters. There may be some friends who are not yet brothers and sisters, according to our understanding. But I'm looking at so many dear young people who have the Lord himself actually living inside of them. While you were singing, 
There was another person in you. And sometimes we can sense him singing. There's a certain time when he sings. And the time when he sings the most is at the Lord's table meeting. This is according to Psalm 22 that is applied in Hebrews chapter 2. And these verses say, in the midst of the church, the resurrected Christ sings hymns of praise to the Father. The greatest miracle is the mingled Spirit. It's one of the greatest truths that has been recovered in the last 500 years. But now I need to turn in the little time that's remaining and I don't want to be too strong. But let me tell you what was my situation for 11 years. And then was my situation in a way of decrease for another 46 years. Because I didn't know that I had a spirit. Because I didn't know that the Lord was the spirit who could get into a person. Because I didn't know that I had been born of God in my spirit. Because I didn't know that the Lord was in my spirit, I ignored him almost all the time. I didn't say, I don't like you, Lord. I'm not interested in you. I, I want to enjoy this sport. I like to date cute girls. I don't want to be a religious person. I didn't say that. I didn't know. And he stayed mainly quietly in my spirit for 11 years. From time to time, he would move. And I would have some response, and I would pray. He called me every day for a month inwardly to ministry. Eventually, I recognized that's the Lord. I said, okay. But I didn't know. I was ignorant. I didn't know. I had the Lord in me. If you're 15... And you have the feeling that there's another person living in you. There's someone you can talk to. Maybe someone at home. Maybe someone serving the young people. Maybe a friend. And in five minutes, they can tell you what took me 11 years to learn. They can tell you this feeling is right. You're not imagining something. 
It's not an emotion. This is real. There is another person. A person. Not a thing. Not a substance. Not an element. A person. There's a person in you. And this person is the resurrected Christ. As the life-giving spirit. He is the spirit. And someone can point out, God is spirit. That's what God is in his element. And this person that you realize is living in you is in your spirit. That is where he is. And anytime you want him, he's available. Well, first I learned after 11 years the doctrine of the human spirit. The theology, the teaching that Christ is the life-giving spirit. So sometimes, I have to admit almost every day, sometimes I would pay attention to him. In the morning, I would pray, usually read the word. Then hours and hours, no contact. See, here's our situation. And this is where we need to be touched. Some of us need the Lord to show us. And I would suggest that we serving one would intercede for you strongly that the Lord would show you, you personally, that you have a spirit that was created, that was deadened, and has been made alive, and that the Lord is in your spirit. We need to see this. Otherwise, if you're that, and it is a blessed species, but you may not always feel it, called church kid. This is something you've known who knows how long. At least since sixth grade. It's nothing new. Been there, done that. I know, that's the problem. But when the light shines in your heart, heart, personally, and you realize that you have a spirit and the Lord is the spirit and he is there, you'll remember that. Now it's real. It's not a hand-me-down teaching. It's not something you just inherited. It's not just something that you agree with because you happen to be here and you meet here. This is real to you. The light makes it real to you. I remember the day that this happened to my wife. We'd only been married for about, what, four or five months. 
And we'd only been in the church for about three months. And I have to tell you, young brothers, file this away when it's time to get married. Something about wives. They're all women. And we're the same, yet we're not the same. So one day, she was being not the same in the way that ladies are not the same as men. And her emotion was troubled for some reason, but she didn't know. And I was afraid to see this. How do I help a wife like this? And I was kind of scared. And I was desperate. So I said something to her that probably I would not say now. (laughs) But I was not only ignorant, I was dumb. But I was honest. So I said, Susan, turn to your spirit. First time I ever said that to anyone. Now, what kind of reactions are you imagining? You think she said, you turn to your spirit, man. <clears throat> no, that, that came later. Okay. She began to cry in a certain positive way. And then she told me, I never knew I had a spirit. I never knew. Somehow the Lord used the feeble attempt of a challenged young brother and young husband trying to help his wife being different in her emotion. But the spirit honored that. And now she knows. See, you believe you have a spirit. Because we taught you this. And you memorize verses in truth school. and Maybe you won a prize. You can refer to the verses. You believe it. And it's good to believe it. But if you would ask me, Brother Ron, are, are you married? I would say, well, I... I believe I'm married. I think I'm married. Brother Ron, are you a are you a grandfather? Well, I believe I'm that 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 doesn't make a lot of sense. You need to know. And no one can know for you. Only you are you. Every one of us matters personally to the Lord. You've been taught about the human spirit. Almost all of you, you're good kids. You're good kids. We recognize this. For every church kid, teenager who's really off, there are 20 that are good kids. You received it all. But you may not know it. And my spirit is praying 
right now that you would know this, that you would realize this, that the spirit of reality would cause you to know you have a human spirit with functions and that the Lord as the spirit is inside of you. He will never leave, even if you get unhappy with him and you say, I won't believe in you anymore and I'm not going to pray to you anymore. You can just have the biggest mad of your life, but it's not going to change the fact the Lord Spirit is in your spirit, mingled with your spirit as one spirit, too late. I have a dear son, two and a half times your age. He's like a marlin, powerful sea fish who's been hooked. And it's not an easy thing to land one of these big fish. You, you have to play them. Give them line to run. Let them run. Let them leap. Let them dive. However long it takes, eventually, this hooked marlin ends up in the boat. Then the other matter, which immediately follows and which concludes this line of fellowship, is especially for those who can say sincerely, I realize I have a spirit. And I realize the Lord is in my spirit. I believe there are many sisters, especially, but also some brothers. You can testify this. Don't be religiously humble. This is not a theory to you. You have experiences to back this up. The Lord has touched you, and you have touched him. Even though maybe the next day you wondered about it. But for those of us who know to some extent, my concern is this. For me, for all the co-workers, for all of us, since we know that we have a spirit, since we know that the Lord is the spirit, since we know that the Lord is the spirit, is in our spirit and is mingled with our spirit, why don't we pay more attention to him? Why don't we talk to him more? Why don't we turn to him more? Why don't we open to him more? Why don't we contact This person who's in us, he's wonderful, wonderful. And one of the most wonderful things about him is that he's in you. And he's in me. 
And we're so easily distracted. Not only distracted, given to certain things. But he's there mainly quietly, sometimes moving a little bit, waiting for us to come back to him. Why not consider spending a little more time personally with this other person living inside of you? Why not learn to talk to him about anything? Lord, I'm so alone. Lord, I'm... When next spring comes along... And there's a day when all the universities send out certain kind of envelopes, one kind for rejections, another kind for acceptances. Whatever it is, you can say, Lord, I'm so afraid of this. I'm so concerned about this. There's a person in you. He's never, he'll never leave. He'll never give up on you. But he sure would like it if he could spend more time with you. What would happen if you did this? What will he do? Well, he's not out to get you. He's not mad at you. He wants to make himself real to you. He wants to dispense himself into you. He wants to pour his love in your heart. He wants to grow in you. He wants to spread in you. He wants to live in you. He wants to fill you. He wants to flow you, flow through you. Just let him do it. I don't know how you feel about the greatest miracle in the wilderness, but in the, in, in, in the universe. But I'm newly convinced the greatest miracle is the mingled spirit. He who is joined to the Lord is one spirit. My dear brothers and sisters, my beloved brothers and sisters, the Lord be with your spirit.